I'm ready with y'all, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is good, everybody? It's your boy Francis Carlotta with Connor Byrne and Grant Heckinger coming to you live on episode eight of the podcast to be named later. I think we might have a next episode. We're 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 really coming close, guys. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, we got something for you. But Connor, Grant, how are y'all doing today, boys? Doing good. I went down to the uh, belly of the beast. I went down to Florida. Came back with no coronavirus, so I'm happy. And. Uh, did you no, get tested? but no one in my family has shown any symptoms. And so, like, if they were dying off, then I'd know. Okay. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then I've been playing a lot, been playing a lot of tennis. I don't know if you guys have gotten into tennis, but you, it's a great, great activity for this. And it's also just great, especially oh, yeah, for awesome. you and your back. This is, it's a really good sport for, uh, for that. The way less pounding the basketball is. It's a lot of change of direction. Um, <laughs> you're wrong. That would not be good for my back, but... <laughs> Um, and also, my mom has coronavirus, so oh, thanks really? for rubbing How that in. How's she doing? Family, Wait, you know? what? She's fine. She's she's good. I I just got tested today, and I'm negative, so oh my I'm god, good. I think I already had it a few months back. So oh my but goodness, what made her get decide to get tested? She had symptoms, and we it was her her symptoms were really weird. They weren't like the normal symptoms. Like she had um like an itch, a scratchy throat, um stuff that you I can't remember what else really, but stuff that you like didn't really you know you don't typically associate it with coronavirus so right okay we we're all like we we're all like you probably don't have it but okay. she got tested anyways okay. and, and turned <laughs> out she's positive so. Mo- mother right. always knows best yeah exactly <laughs> tell mrs h we're uh we're rooting for her and we're sending her uh <laughs> yeah you know hypothetical yeah, war- like bowls of soup and stuff <laughs> we're rooting for her sounds yeah, a little real. too dark i, mean, I don't think i need to go there <laughs> yeah, you're right, Grant. We're rooting against her. You're right. <laughs> there you go. It's a lot better. She needs a challenge. Um, but so I wanted to revisit what we talked about last episode real quick. Um, the rule changes. I I, uh, I came up with yeah. one, a real good one for soccer and just wanted to run by it, run it by y'all real quick. Um, oh sure. So yeah, please. think about this as like a reverse offside. No, sorry, reverse advantage for offsides. So, like, Connor, do you know what advan- how advantage and offsides work in soccer? Yeah. Okay. Just making well, sure. Advantage isn't a rule, is it? I thought advantage was just, like, you had an ad- you had more guys down than the other team did. And, like, you had a okay, kind of so like a fast no. break. No, so advantage is when if a player with a ball gets fouled, a player with a ball gets fouled, and it's, like, more advantageous for the team for the play to keep going then the ref uh-huh. can hold off and not call the foul right then and not stop play. Oh, he, can okay, let them, yeah. he can let them still play. Um, so my idea is when a player is off sides, they can choose to give up that advantage and keep the ball. So they can pull it back, um, take it back, let the, t- let the defense recover, and the ref you know, doesn't call off sides and doesn't give the other team a free tick or anything. I think it would be really interesting to see guys make that decision when it's like a really close call. Like, do I take this risk and keep going? Or am I think I'm off sides, I'm going to pull it back and just give up this advantage we have and keep the ball. 
So I think that'd be really interesting. What do y'all think? I don't understand it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so Francis, you I think you're away. like most of our listeners okay, well, with this, Connor, but Connor, <laughs> you're pretty representative of our audience. Think about this way, Connor. If you're in the penalty box and you're like about yep. to shoot and you get fouled, it is a yep. it's a foul. It is a penalty. But if it's like a if you're like a clear cut chance you're about to score, and even if like the the referee has the discretion to let the play continue to see if the ball goes in, and like the ball the referee can just call the foul initially if like the goal just doesn't happen so there's times where play gets genuinely stopped um because the ball because like a goal scoring opportunity doesn't actually turn into a goal um because the foul took place i don't know two seconds before mm-hmm. so right. like referees have their own discretion to to call fouls and when referees want to stop play so that's what grant's just basically saying like referees have to have the power to stop play and not stop right play. and so instead of like the offense keeping the advantage because it helps them in this chance, in this case, they have an unfair advantage, so they could choose to sacrifice that unfair advantage, but not give the other team the ball. So if they didn't give up that advantage, like the play gets stopped anyways, if if it is actually offsides, they would have to make that decision without knowing if it's offsides yet. If they want to pull it back and give up that advantage, does that make sense? Uh, uh yeah, I'm following along. So like I... the ref, it usually takes a few seconds for the ref to call offsides after it has been offsides. So, like, they would have okay. that few seconds to kind of make that decision and be like, I think I was offsides. I'm pulling it back. Let the defense recover and stuff. I'm for it only for the reason because soccer players are always so shocked when an offside is called just to see if they actually do believe that, yeah. that they are offside sometimes. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of hubris with those calls. Yeah. So, that would be yeah. – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The reactions are <laughs> – they get so pissed. Like, I was not offsides. Well, <laughs> but the rest would also have – it would be up to their discretion – whether the team did actually, you know, let the defense recover, whether whether that player actually gave up that advantage. So if they just like kind of pulled it back slightly and then attacked immediately, then the ref would it would call the offsides, right? So like you have to actually the ref has to make that judgment whether it was enough of a sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? So so when you say pull back, like but you turn around and dribble like, the other in dribble a sense, the other way, restart yeah, the attack, have, right? Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, that's yeah. that would be interesting. I. That would definitely be a change that would be... That would be hated by change. soccer fans around the world. <laughs> yeah, my, it might be... I don't know how how, how diehard soccer or, I guess in this context, football fans would feel about this change. But uh, I like it, though. It's it's definitely it's definitely different and something that could go well. Are you, are you but, guys um, seeing this? But yeah, stuff? so in terms of... What? Did, y'all, did, you just, did y'all just get this yeah. notification? About what? Mahomes, his deal is $450 million. 450? $450 million, Mahomes or Scott. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Grant, because we were, we were just about yeah, to we bring this up. Yeah, we were going to fake surprise, but I, I had a real uh, surprise so for when those I saw that who... number. <laughs> real surprise. <laughs> uh, for, yeah, for those who don't know, which uh, probably everyone by the time people listen to this know by now, uh, but Patrick Mahomes, the... Kansas City Chiefs quarterback has agreed on a 10-year contract extension worth, like as you said, Grant, $450 million. Uh, <laughs> that's for 10 years, right? 10 yep. years, right, guys? So that's staggering. Wait, how much should he get in ballers, though? In what? <laughs> oh, in ballers. <laughs> the show ballers. They give, they give him a record-breaking contract. And it's the big thing is that his is fully guaranteed. So do we know if this one's guaranteed? 
Which it's one got a better not, deal? Be. Probably, probably the Ballers <laughs> Mahomes <laughs> with the guaranteed contract. <laughs> they're, they're not using real money there. <laughs> yeah, Baller Mahomes got the got the best deal <laughs> simply because it's guaranteed, hundred percent. I mean, the the Rock gets the best for his agents. If the Rock was his real life agent, then he would have gotten fully guaranteed contract. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't say no to the Rock. Well, that's very exciting, though, for the rest of the NFL that Mahomes just signed a huge contract so that the Chiefs' uh, roster will now be depleted. So that's good news. As a Patriots fan, I like that. <laughs> so, Isn't this like a crazy turnaround from him of, like a few days ago saying he would not play for the Chiefs again if they didn't change their name to signing away Wait, the rest what? of his prime to play for this team? Did he really say that? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a total change in heart. He's like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Ten million yeah. or ten years was for a bargaining chip, apparently. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, it was a threat. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got to change the Chiefs. What if we gave you four hundred fifty million dollars? <laughs> okay, okay you, you know what? That's Chiefs. not so bad. You can keep the Chiefs. That's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh I, uh, my God. Can I give you all a little context on this deal? Please. So this will be the okay. So now, it, um, wasn't sure if it was going to be bigger, but it will be bigger than Mike Trout's deal. So it's the biggest confirmed contract in sports. Messi and Ronaldo, they don't have like officially confirmed contracts, so we don't really know what they make. Um, right. Technically, at least, the previous largest NFL contract was Matt Ryan's five-year, one hundred and fifty million dollar deal. This is three hundred million dollars <laughs> baseball money. This is wild. That's uh, Matt Ryan's ranked 60th all-time in sports, in all sports. Um, also, a side note about this, when I was on the Wikipedia page, someone edited the page so that Ryan Braun, listed as a basketball player for the Raiders, had the biggest contract <laughs> coming in at 12 years and over $1.5 billion starting in 2019. <laughs> then someone tried to change it back to Trout. They try to change it back to Trout, but they accidentally listen his na- his uh, team as the Angles instead of the Angels. So it was just a shit oh show God. on Wikipedia today. Oh my lord! I, I, my favorite thing I've seen in response to this Mahomes stuff is Josh McCown tweeting, uh, like as for Mahomes is a ten year deal with one team, and uh, McCown goes, "Is that a better? Is that better than uh, 10, 10 deals with ten teams for one year?" <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, this is this is incredible. I mean, yeah, well, good but for him. This could mean I mean, nothing though. We don't actually know. This could mean nothing in the way that NFL contracts work. It could be like three years from now, he's done with the Chiefs and he's off on something new. Yeah, it's incredible, but it could be nothing after a few years. I saw something that was like, this only makes sense for Mahomes if he becomes the first ever player to have um, a percentage of the salary cap guaranteed yeah, in a multi-year yeah. deal. Yeah. But I mean, but I yeah. mean with it being 45 million, which is like what, 12 million higher or 11 and a half million higher than the second highest per year. I don't know, that's uh I think that has some, you know, length on it that that could last him pretty damn good value for him 10 years from now. 10 years though is a ton of time. Does he really want to be in Kansas City once Andy Reid leaves? And Andy Reid's 62 right now. I don't, I don't know how long Andy Reid wants to be a coach for, but 10 years. That's no, a, that's a really good so point. much time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- if yeah, I think Andy Reid leaves, I'm leaving the Chiefs. Yeah, that's a really good point. We got to figure out how much of that contract is guaranteed because uh, if it's 
if it's a decent chunk of it's guaranteed, then holy crap, this is an insane deal. But I don't think any of us should be crying for Patrick Mahomes right now. Like I don't think, like in terms of value and whatever, he'll be fine. Like he's 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 gonna get a, yeah, a crap absolutely. ton of money. And I guess the bigger concern is like football related in terms of how like how is this gonna affect the the Chiefs roster? How it'll affect their salary cap? You know how yeah. can they build a team around him? Like that's the I think the bigger question. You know if you if people want to you know talk about Patrick Mahomes' contract. It, what it means for him, what it means for whatever, cool. But like, he's gonna he's gonna be fine. Um, the NFL, it's it's about time that the NFL doled out this high sum amount of money to players who really deserve it. I mean, we had I talked about the whole NFL NBA salary cap and C, sorry CBA differences in a previous podcast. Like, it's about time that the NFL actually gave out this much this much money. Well, to a I don't think really it's about it. I don't think it's an about time thing. I mean, he's. He's the only guy that can demand this, and uh, it's going to hurt that team a lot. Well, Dak, Dak's going to try now. Dak? That's the <laughs> problem. <true. laughs> All the Cowboys fans are worried that, like, they were like, please sign this deal before Mahomes does, and then they saw this, and we're like, oh, God. <laughs> That's true. Well, Connor, sorry, you're right. And, and I guess in, in the broader con- context, it shouldn't just be like the for the top the money shouldn't be reserved for only the top tier guys so that's that's fair but i guess what i'm saying it's it's nice to see a player get paid uh his worth in the nfl that's all oh no my argument was saying that nfl players do get paid their worth it's just that they should get their worth in terms of what they are allowed to make i mean you have to change if you want to change the rules and they can make their real worth but right i got you only like 10 guys in the nfl are really worth that much yeah, in terms of the way the CBA is structured, yeah, no, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you Francis, mean, Francis. Francis, think of the uh, commission you could be making right now if you were his agent. <laughs> yeah, I'd make you'd you know just set. nice five percent of that. I'd be set for life. <laughs> set. I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so maybe one, maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day, but so yeah, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes got signed to something insane, and you know, I'm sure as as the details of the contract roll out, you know. There'd be a lot more reaction to it, but I think more, more pressing sports news is the fact that we got an NBA schedule for for the the restart of the NBA season in just in just a few weeks. Whether or not we actually get to Orlando and people start playing games, I'm to be quite frank with y'all, kind of skeptical with what's happening. But I, I'm I'm obviously hoping that it happens. I'm hoping that we have basketball in just a few weeks. Uh, but the NBA took a good step moving forward by releasing the schedule. Uh, so, you know, for for people who just forgot for whatever reason, just as a refresher, uh, the top 13 teams in the West and the top nine teams in the East will play eight regular season games to determine the final seeding before starting the playoffs. Um, so as a lot of us know, there are seeding battles across the league, but I mean, it's not, they're not super interesting. Like, who's going to get the second seed in the East or who's going to get the third seed in the West? I like, guess it's not mega interesting. What we really care about is who's going to get the eighth seed in the West. That's probably the biggest big, biggest storyline to yeah, come out of Orlando. That's what you care about. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, I no, no, no. People care about, people want to see, people want to see Zion or Dame. I mean, just not the I mean, Connor, 
Connor, I know that uh, that your Wizards have a chance to make the playoffs, so I'm sure you care about that a lot. <laughs> but, uh, no, the second but, Bertans is out, I'm out of the Wizards. That's a good point. <laughs> but, well, I was going to say, Connor, while it's the race for the eighth seed, as you like to put it, it's the battle for who will get, at best, a nice gentleman sweep in the first round. <laughs> so yeah. it's not really like, it's a battle for the eighth seed, but like you're not going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever gets the top seed. Um, but... Anywho, it's a battle between the Grizzlies, the ninth seeded Portland Trailblazers, the tenth seeded Zion's, I mean New Orleans Pelicans, and the Kings, Spurs, and Suns because they're in Orlando as well. To be fair, the Kings are like they're also tied with the Blazers and the Pelicans, like with three and a half games back of the Grizzlies, but they don't own any of the tiebreakers against the Blazers and the Pelicans, so that's why they're not really considered to be like in the hunt. But they're they're also three and a half games back, so who knows? Um, but before this whole lockdown started, Memphis had one of the toughest schedules to finish the year. And when the NBA released their schedule, the NBA, they just did not they did not forget that. So <laughs> Memphis is going to play Portland, San Antonio, and New Orleans on a back-to-back, which sounds just, that's just hard. I can't imagine playing a back-to-back in Orlando with everything happening. And then Utah, OKC, Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee. So... I wanted to ask you all, and I want to ask Grant, you first, is what do you think of this Grizzlies schedule? Do you think it's, is it as hard as advertised? Like, do you think this is murderous row? And how do you think Memphis will fare in the eight games? I don't think it's as, probably as hard as people are saying. I don't think the Trailblazers, I think people are overrating the Trailblazers a little bit. I think they're expecting Nurkic and Zach Collins to come back and just immediately, you know, hit the hit the ground running. Um yeah. I don't see that happening. I think Trevor Reza is a little bit of an underrated loss for them. And just because of who they're going to have to replace him with, it's mm-hmm. going to be like Gary Trent, Nasir Little, or um, Anthony Simons. So that's going to be kind of tough for them to replace. So I don't see them being that bad. The Spurs, we play the Spurs, and with no LaMarcus Aldridge, that should be a win. And we only have to play the Pelicans once now. I mean, it's definitely tough, but I think I mean it's pretty representative of what our schedule would have been. It's not like they crushed us as compared to what we would have played anyways. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we at least have a good shot at going 500 or, you know, a game above 500. Yeah, I agree. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, most just about every team left is good except for the Wizards, Suns, Spurs, <laughs> and Kings. So it's no matter what, I feel like it's going to be somewhat of a murderer's row to get uh, to try and guarantee a spot and not have to do a playing tournament. Right. Yeah, um, so that, that's like but, relative relative to everyone else's schedule. Like, it's our schedule has probably gotten easier because everyone else's schedule has gotten harder. Right. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I think just the Grizzlies should just, uh, like I said last time, I think just be happy their young guys are getting this experience in which pretty much every game is kind of like a playoff game for them and mm-hmm. having their guys see at what level they need to play at to, to reach that point in the later years. So, uh, I mean, I don't, so I don't, yeah, I don't feel bad for the Grizzlies if that's uh, that's what we're trying to get at. <laughs> yeah, no, no I know. And I initially looked at the schedule, and I was... I compared it to the Pelican schedule, and for for context, uh, the Pelican schedule is... It's not as hard, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so for context, New Orleans plays the Jazz, Clippers, then the Grizzlies, Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings again, and then the Magic. So the only hard game there really for them is the Clippers. The Jazz, they still have Gobert and and Mitchell and Mike Conley, but they lost Bogdanovich, which I think does matter a lot for that Utah team. And I just... And the the chemistry issues with uh, Gobert and Mitchell now. Right, absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, for exactly. So I don't know. I just I, I there's a good chance. Like when I was thinking about, it, there's a good chance the Pelicans go seven and one. Like I could see them just losing to the Clippers, and I can see them winning every game on that schedule except except against the Clippers. So comparing that schedule to Memphis's, yes, Memphis's schedule is much harder. But then when I took a step back and when I looked at it more, I was like, actually, Memphis's schedule really. It's not terrible, like especially if you if you look at like yes they play Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee at the end, and like sorry Utah, OKC, Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee to end, but Utah we we just talked about their issues, OKC we we actually have a decent record against them in the regular season, um, and then if we play Boston, Toronto, and Milwaukee since we're playing them at the end they could just have nothing to play for and not play their starters or you know play their their right. star players. So those could be easy, not not easy, but you know what I mean, like easier games to win than they would be for playing them to full strength, you know, in in a regular season back in March. So, you know, it it this could go well for Memphis. You know, I can see them going five and three in the eight games, which which would be good. You know, I think that would at least lock up the eighth seed and maybe have a chance at, you know, making that three and a half game gap, making that a four game gap possibly, but. You know, I, I think I think y'all said it very well. It it's not as bad as people were making it out to be, or at least hell, even I was making it out to be in, in, initially because I thought it was really bad. But then, you know, take a step back and it's it's doable. It's definitely doable. So, do y'all think it should be? You think Memphis is going to make the eighth seed for the playoffs? I would predict them for sure in the play-in tournament. I think. Okay. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be them and the Pelicans, and they could be in either one of those spots, but definitely in the play-in tournament. I, I would be intrigued to see the Kings, who are actually playing the best basketball of the group when the season ended, who are on the best yeah. run at the end, just to see how upset the entire NBA world would be if the Kings <laughs> were, were the HC representative. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, or at the or at the very least, you know, make it to the playing tournament over the Pelicans or something. Yeah, at and, the very least. You also brought up an interesting point, Francis, of teams later on. Uh, if they kind of get to a point of like, do we, one, are we resting guys before the playoffs? But also, if anyone starts trying to play matchups and purposely, like, we'll then mm. say they're resting guys because they want to play a starting team instead of another team yeah. um, come first round or second round. Right. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, there's there's a huge difference between the two and three seed. Like, the, the Celtics, you're either playing the. You might be playing the 76ers or you might be playing the Nets as is right now. The Nets as is are not that good. Yeah, like right, terrible. Right now. Yeah. yeah. They're not a good uh, team. So I don't see the Celtics trying to lose any games. But then I also, I could see that the 76ers trying to figure out what they want to do because they match up better for some of those top teams for a potential mm-hmm. second round matchup. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be, inter- I'm more interested to see if anyone tries to strategically play anything like that. Yeah, and to that to that point, Connor, if if like if I were the Sixers, I I think they're sixth right now, and they're behind the, I think the Heat mm. or something for the for the fifth seed, and it's not it's not a big gap. They're behind like the Pacers. Or the Pacers. Are oh, Pacers. Seed. Sorry, Who, Pacers. The Pacers yeah. don't have Oladipo, which if right. Thank you. The difference. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, de- it definitely should. So yeah, thank you for that. that. There's, if I were the Sixers, I'd try and get into the fifth and fourth seed. While you would be in the Milwaukee side of the bracket, you'll have to face Milwaukee at some point. You know, to get to mm-hmm. the to the NBA final, like you'll have to beat them. So it's like, I'd much rather have an easier first and they're round built, matchup. They're built to play Milwaukee. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, if, if I were to say, I'd, I'd try and get into 
like the, the four or five, like really go for it. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how they play uh, moving forward. But, you know, also, Connor, you also talked about the Kings, and I just wanted to say one more thing, because I kind of shrugged them off at the start. But I'm, I'll I'll kind of backpedal a little bit, because as you said, Karn, they were playing the best basketball going into the whole quarantine, and they're still the same amount of games back as the Pelicans and the, and the, and the Blazers. Mm-hmm. And the Kings play the Pelicans twice in their eight-game schedule. There's a chance the Kings beat yeah. them twice. They beat them twice. They they have they there's no tiebreaker anymore that matters. They beat them twice. Yeah. So like, you know, and say the Blazers like what you said, Grant, the Blazers don't play as well as some and I think a lot of people are thinking the Blazers will play very well. But if they don't play nearly as well as, as uh people are thinking they are they will, then the Kings could they have a legit chance to to make the, the ninth seed and get into a playing tournament and I mean that's a sneaky that's a sneaky team. They, that's a good team, you know. I I've, I like De'Aaron Fox a lot, and Buddy Hill's yeah, Buddy Hill's a great perimeter player. Um, you know, Bagley's a good player as well. They have good pieces uh, that can that can trouble Memphis and actually have a chance, right, to make the eighth seed. The chance is small, but they have a chance. So, you know, while I did shrug the Kings off <laughs> pretty heavily at the start, they have a chance. So I just wanted to just wanted to keep it that. Grant, do you have any more thoughts about the the seedings for not just the Grizzlies or the West, but just overall? Um, well, just to go back to the good teams not having anything to play for w- once again, um, to counter that, and I, I just was thinking about this as y'all were talking, uh, our teams actually, with you know, with having all this rest already and coming back and getting these eight games to warm up, our team's going to want to not play their good players mm, for those last few point. games, or are they just are they trying to you know rev up for the playoffs like that? Then they have all the that's rest they point. need. Yeah. So um, I I just now thought about that, but I'd, yeah, no, that's it a might very... not might not be what we normally you know see at the end of the season that is a very good point so yeah there's there are a lot of storylines that will definitely play into how things go uh but hey the nba got what they wanted right they got zion in the spotlight and you know there's a chance for zion and john morant the two front runners of rookie of the year to play it out in, in a playing tournament that would be fun for nba ratings just because it's zion and jaw and then by some NBA rigging, that would probably would be the case, and, and the Pelicans <laughs> make the eighth seed and play the Lakers, and you'd have Zion and LeBron, blah 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 blah. But you know, so <laughs> yeah, so that would be cool. Did y'all hear about the? As an aside, before before we move on, you heard about the other bubble that was discussed by the NBA, like to have a bubble just for the teams that, like basically for not lottery because there are lottery teams who are in Orlando, but for the teams that who weren't included. In the in the NBA in the Orlando bubble, like what do you think of that? Like, well, do, you, do you think I, that's dumb? I think you are a cla- you're you're you live in California, and you're just a classic guy forgetting about the smaller market teams and thinking they don't have fan bases. Like I don't think you understand I, the the magnitude I, of a I, good Hawks no, Pistons series no, as you West okay. Coast type of kid. All right, okay, I really I'm I'm quitting this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> No, I don't know who's asking for who's asking for this. <laughs> who's asking for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just very, it's, what are we doing? Like, what's the point of who, this, guys? Who like, had the gall to bring that up in a meeting? And then yeah, like, why did does. why did they listen to this guy? <laughs> yeah, for real. That does take yeah. balls to bring this up. I something that yeah. that should happen. I'm on both sides of this argument, though. Actually, I I do think it's a thing of when and who is pos- who really wants to watch this uh, and who wants to risk any complications playing in this but on the other side i was just listening to steve kerr talk um 
about the offseason going into next year. And he's raised the point that it for the teams that didn't make the don't make this year's playoffs, you'll have ended in March and your next season starts in December, so a nine month layoff pretty much. And so like mm-hmm. you just need to have some basketball games. So I think they're I think the approach you might be taking is they're not really doing it for entertainment value. They're doing it almost like a way of having a training camp type thing. Because they're doing it in September. Like scrimmaging. Because yeah. yeah. So they're waiting for a while to do it. So they're just gonna I mean I guess they're still doing games. I don't know how exactly you're gonna make how they're quantifying them, but the fact that like, Steve Kerr wants to have games going just so we can get Clay Thompson and Steph and Draymond playing again before the year starts, the real year starts again. So on that side, I actually do understand it. Do y'all know what the NBA is actually citing as its reason for doing this, though? Like, is it saying because it wants all the teams to have the same amount of games played or, like, you know, close to amount of the same amount of games played at least? Like, is, is there a real reason beside just money and trying to get people to play games, I guess? I, because it doesn't seem like the first bubble really should happen. The fact that they're talking about second bubble means that they're doing the first bubble, whether it's smart or not. I mean, with the way the coronavirus cases have escalated, and particularly in Orlando and in Florida, um, yeah. and with everything that's going on and all the players dropping like flies for you know various reasons, it doesn't seem like that fir- the first bubble should really even be happening. And I would hope it wouldn't if, you know, if it wasn't smart, but this just kind of gives me no hope that the NBA is going to take this seriously. I mean, if, if this is where the coronavirus had been when they decided to have the bubble in the first place, then they never would have had the bubble. But now that the wheels are in motion, they're not going to stop. They they've got, they got everybody excited about it, not just fans, but owners and players. Um, so I, I don't I don't see them stopping. But I, the second bubble is just overkill. Yeah, I mean the you bring up a decent point with because uh, something I was thinking about before is how would you deal with the teams who are in Orlando? The you know the the Suns. Uh, so it's basically seeds nine through thirteen in the West, and then the Wizards in the East. How would you quantify those those games in terms of those record their records and how would you relate that to the lottery and, and their percentage chance to right, get a high like a top pick? Yeah. Right. Like so, you know, I talked about I think I brought this up to you before, Connor, about the Wizards. What if they just lost every game and it and made and made up and, and basically helped their chances of getting a higher pick in the lottery? That, in a sense, would be unfair to teams who didn't get included in Orlando, who didn't get a chance to lose more games. You know, it would it would be it would be kind of a weird dynamic <laughs> to see to see that. But that would be something that the, I'm sure the NBA has thought about, and maybe that's a potentially a reason why they're going, they would do a separate bubble so we could get to an equal amount of games between all the teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you know maybe that's a thought. So I mean, Grant, that might be a possibility. I'm not I'm not totally sure. If the Wizards don't do that, then they're even stupider than I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Maybe it's a thing just by the league of like, because it's so vague in what they've released as information on this report, that maybe they're just sending a feeler out pretty much just to see the reaction from people. And like, they haven't actually put thought into this yet. They're just like, let's just throw that out there and see if anyone responds to it. Maybe. It's just so I'm, bold. Yeah. It's so bold. It's like all the news is breaking, and like the NBA is like, "Oh, I think we actually might have a second one of these." <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound good? <laughs> What's that? We're gonna we're gonna ignore all the CDC reports and all the reports of rising cases. Hey, 
bubble number two, and we'll put it in Chicago where <laughs> the cases are still going yeah. up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a good point, Gray. Like, yeah. <laughs> reports like uh, NBA players saying maybe we shouldn't play this season. NBA goes, I hear what you're saying. What would you say <laughs> to, to, to a, a counterpoint? <laughs> counterpoint we matter. have more people playing. <laughs> Do y'all did y'all see the tweet that Larry Nance made? He was like, "You ready for Cavs Warriors Part Five or something?" Like, yeah. just... That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be able to laugh at yourself. I love it. Yeah, for real, for real. All right, let's take a break real quick, and we'll come back and talk about some uh, rookies. So, Grant and Francis, Webster Dictionary defines rookie as a first All year right. <laughs> as a first year player in a professional sport. A person who has just started a job or activity and has little experience. Following along with this subject, <laughs> mm-hmm. who, who are your all-rookie NBA teams? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, I like I like that intro. I'm a fan. I, I like that's a it's a Connor it's a Connor original. I'm okay. about it. I'm about this intro. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we before we get into it, do we want to do it? Because, you know, we just did an all-NBA podcast a few episodes ago. Do you want to start top to bottom? Or do you want to do, you want to do like, our all-rookie team where we we give a name, then you give a name? Like, do you want to do it like that? Does that work for you all? Yeah, that works. Everyone, once again, the rule is if someone picks it, that's just the pick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think also uh, an important distinction for this is that for all NBA teams, they are position-dependent. But for all rookie teams, the the uh, the teams are just five players. It doesn't matter what position you play. And I don't know why that is. Do you guys have any idea why they yeah, that... make the difference between all NBA and all rookie for that? I do not. I don't personally know. I don't, my, my my guess is it would just be might be too hard to choose it by position because there might be like the best the best rookie center might not be that good. So it's like why would you give it to a guy who's just not that good when there are 12 other guys who are better than them but just because they're a center they're going to be a first team all rookie center you know what i'm saying like yeah. maybe that that's what i was yeah. thinking when i was doing the, when i was looking into it so maybe that's it such that's an arbitrary oh, so many things are so arbitrary in sports i kind of i kind of did it by position i cheated a little bit on some but i mean i, I don't think the teams would have changed anyways even if i did it positionless honestly but i'll go first Fair enough. since uh that means i get an extra pick no, no, no. We're gonna rock, we'll rock papers. We'll do the one, yeah, two, three, that's not fair. and everyone put on your screen a one or a two. And if you're the odd, if you're the person who uh, didn't have the same number as the other two people, you go first. Okay, it's either okay. one or two. Okay. All right, ready? One, okay. two, three. Oh, I win. Oh, you win. That's a stupid. Thing. <laughs> All right. So my first team, first pick. I'll do Ja. Uh, also, my rookie, rookie of the year for the year. Um, just an incredible effort he did this year and I'll preface this as saying that rookies in the NBA are terrible NBA players uh, they usually have like yeah, usually. no they just kill your yeah, team rookie point guards especially, especially. the fact that he's a rookie especially. point guard who, exp- who you have a steeper learning curve than any other position has uh, for Ja to have taken a really bad team from last year and put it into a uh, playoff contender this year is really a special effort on his part Yep. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's any any pushback on that. I mean, he wasn't just a good. John, it's shocking that he wasn't just a good rookie. He was, you know, a pretty damn good player. Just 
as a point guard. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a really good player. Um, I mean, I don't think there should be any debate about yeah. that. John Morant's John Morant. He's Rookie of the Year. He should be Rookie of the Year. Um, did you all see the 2K cover that... Grant, I know you you sent the John Morant 2K cover in our group group yeah, chat. It's beautiful. Uh, but you also like they made it. They made Zion the the future dude when he's not even gonna win Rookie of the Year. Like I, it would have been better. It would have been cool if we saw them do like a duo, like a Zion Jaw thing. But like, yeah, 2K is just buying into hype and that just trying to idea. like trying to pander. Yeah, yeah. I, I get whatever. why they did Zion. I mean, Zion gets all the focus, but yeah, that that Jaw one was beautiful. But anyway, next pick. You want me to go, or are you? Uh, you know what, Grant? You can go. All right. Um, hmm. I am going to go with Brandon Clark here. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I think yeah. he's, he he's definitely deserves it. Here's my third guy. I think he would probably be second in rookie year voting for me. Uh, he's he's the th- third best rookie, but probably second second rookie of the year voting. Among rookies, just for some context for him, he was first in win shares. Second in PER, second in offensive rating, first in win shares per 48, second in offensive box mm-hmm. plus minus, first in total box plus minus, and first in value of a replacement player. Um, that's among all qualified rookies. So I think I said that at like 400 minutes. That's a pretty yeah. low low yeah. bar, and he was still way up there in all of them. And, he, um, and, and also has the most unbelievable college stat of his senior year, having more, having blocked more shots defensively than he had missed shots on offense. Yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. he's he was so good this year. I'm almost I'm almost scared it was a fluke. Like he's not gonna, I'm scared he's not gonna hit all these floaters that he hit. He's not gonna shoot just this incredible percentage on floaters that he hit this year. Um, yeah. That he's not gonna shoot. Yeah, for real. He, he was forty percent from three. Like all this, all this stuff is like we yeah. did not. I, I knew it's, he was gonna be good. Of, it's kind of worrying. I knew he was gonna be good, but like no idea he was gonna be so good so quickly. And the nice thing about him is well, that he translates I, to every team. Every playoff team wants absolutely. Brandon Clark. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I think if, if he, yeah. he only played well, my, 21 minutes a game this year, almost 22, if he was playing 34, mm-hmm. 35, there's not, it's not ridiculous to think he was in all-star consideration. Well, I was going to bring up his, his per 36 numbers are genuinely very yeah. good. I mean, he had 20 points per game per 36, 9.7 rebounds per game, 1.4 blocks. I mean, every... Basically, like you said, Grant, all of the advanced metrics, not just for rookies, just overall, his advanced metrics were really yeah. good. Um, I mean, he was ninth in the NBA in true shooting percentage, like ninth in the entire yeah. league. Like that, he was so good. And he, in college, he was probably the most efficient college player. And it's really awesome to see him basically translate that straight into the NBA. Yeah. Like that's so mm-hmm. cool. And he's improved. You know, I he had probably one of the highest floors that no one really talked about in the whole in the whole draft class um so i it's great to see him play this well and he's really bouncy that that dude can bounce like he is athletic yeah. so he's a really good pick and roll guy with jaw you know i i i like him a lot in in a in a world where in a world where you don't want to put zion on your rookie of the year ballot like brandon clark would be second like he he would be second in, yeah. in rookie of the year voting and for Grizzlies fans, how awesome is this to think about that two, two for we have two first team all rookies on our team. Like that's so mm-hmm. cool. I mean, we should not, you know, Grant and I, Grant, we're both really big Grizzlies fans, and we definitely shouldn't take that for granted. Like, no. and hopefully our front office doesn't either. So, um, and they don't so, seem okay, they're not so guys who turn. seem like flashes in the pan either. They seem like you know building blocks. 
Right. Ab- right. Absolutely. They they seem like legitimately good players who the team can build around. So, you know, we'll see what the future has for Memphis. But to for the third pick on our first team all rookie team, I mean, it's got to be Zion, yeah. right? Like Zion. If if Zion has to be, yeah. he's a lock. He's a first team lock. You know, whether or not obviously there's a debate, a quote unquote debate for who's the rookie of the year. It's it's not. It shouldn't be a debate. It's it it shouldn't be a debate. But if people want to. I can see it simply because his stats, his pure stats for when he was healthy yeah. for the 15, 15 games he did play, they're terrifying. I mean, they're actually terrifying. 23 points a game, 6.8 rebounds per game, true shooting percentage of 62.4. I mean, he is ridiculously efficient offensively. And he, he you know, when he played in the in the preseason games, um, before, like it just wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen with his injuries. He was putting up those same numbers in preseason, and then now it's like it, there's no uh, layoff. You know, there's no gap. He is Zion Williamson, who will just brute force his way to a bucket, like almost every time. Like <laughs> yeah. um, one knock. So one knock. I did want to say his defensive numbers. I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all remember looking at him. They're not that yeah, great. They're, and they're I think, and I looked at. Expect him to yeah. have it. It's weird, and I look, but I looked at his, I looked at some of his tape, and just you know stuff you see on YouTube. He's just he seems lost when he's off ball, and then when he's on ball, the lack of height does hurt him. He's a good post defender because he's so strong, but he's he's not good in pick and roll coverage. He's not good off the ball. So, but that's stuff that you can yeah. learn in and in, in on an NBA team. So I'm sure his defensive yeah. numbers will improve. I'm not, but you know, I'm not worried about that really. I I think. He was out of shape, and he's a guy who, having been so physically dominant, dominant through his high school years and his college years, he's never really had to worry about scheme. Um, right, he's That's never a had good to learn point. this stuff. So I, th- I think he, for all, I mean, all signs point to him being, you know, a pretty quick study, um, a willing, you know, student of the game. So I, yeah. I, I think yeah. he'll, he'll pick it up. And I'm not really worried about that. His his on off numbers were it was plus thirteen point six, which is small sample size, but way higher than second place on this list, who I think will come up soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, he played only nineteen games, right? Is it nineteen? And yeah, but if the season had finished, he was on track to play thirty seven, and Joel Embiid played thirty one. His his rookie year, his you know quote unquote rookie year, and made first team. So. <laughs> Um, you can't really hold that against him too much. Um, I mean, the only the only thing that would have even made me consider not putting him first team is Zach Lowe said something where he was like, I mean, if you're gonna put him first team, like maybe you should just have him rookie of the year. Like if you if you can put him there, then maybe he should just be the rookie of the year, considering he was the best rookie. Um, but I mean, I, I think there's more scale to it than that. I think you can kind of discern between those. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I do too. I and do too. Oh. Even though Zach Lowe is like a god among basketball fans, I feel like yep. the thing against that is that Ja was a clear great rookie player. Whereas, yeah. like you know, when you start trying to do teams, it's like okay, there's a huge drop off after the three after the after Zion and Ja and Brandon Clark. There's a there's a decent yeah. drop off here. Oh, now. for sure. So, yeah, that's true. Very decent. Yeah. yeah. Very and decent. That, yeah. Sorry, not to drag Zach either. I don't think he was arguing for that case he was just making saying that there are people who might think that way so yeah zach we love you yeah yes we do uh (laughs) so okay so connor now we're actually getting to a territory where the players we're about to mention are not guarantees and i think we might start actually having a difference with 
with, with, with what each other are saying. Um, but I'm going to put a guy on who, during the preseason, 76ers fans of mine were saying, oh, this guy's going to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year. And I was like, that's absurd. Uh, you watch a few preseason games of a team you like, but then the guy actually ended up being almost that good this year. And Matisse Tybel, 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 Tybel. But the fact that he came into the league and is instantly one of the top perimeter defenders in the entire NBA is pretty much unheard of. Uh, maybe the greatest perimeter defender, defensive rookie, of you know ever. I think he is the... the greatest. Yeah, I think he's the greatest perimeter defensive rookie yeah. of all time. Like he just has to be. So. So I'm be. putting him on first team as our as our fourth fourth guy on first team here. I did not have him first team. Yeah, I I didn't have him first team, um, and I I was kind of I was gonna get to it when I got to it in the second team because I'm kind of flipping between him and another person that I'll bring up later. He has one side of, of basketball done. Like he is done. He's there. Like mm-hmm. he is a defensive stud. He does he like he's gonna improve and that's terrifying because yeah. he's already insane defensively. Yeah, he played zone in college too, so he has a lot of like still a lot yeah. of his man schemes to learn. Which is crazy. Right. Yeah, but just and all he has to do is develop a three point shot and he has very legitimate value on an NBA right. team. Like all he has to do is develop an offense. Like just yeah. to develop some form of a shot. But the thing is I still want to what I wanted to see him from what what I wanted to see out of him in this rookie season was if he could develop any form of shot, any form of offense. And while there were some moments where like he shot well, I'm looking at his percentages now, he shot thirty five percent on two and a half three point attempts a game. That's not that's not terrible, but it's not great either. And he also only averaged four point seven points a game. Like he just wasn't he didn't have an offense. Like he was a very one side of the ball player. Which, granted, if you're amazing at one thing, that's awesome. Yeah. That 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 should give you a spot on an all rookie team just alone. But I I just didn't I couldn't put him first team because of how one of not not to not to like demean his one dimensionalness because you, you know what I'm trying to say. I just couldn't give him first team because he he doesn't yeah, the, have developed the, offense. One of the reasons I also put him on first team, and I guess it will depend on who you guys decided you thought was going to be over him on first team is um but i think being a contributor on a on a good basketball team a team that's a legitimate title contender like if you can find a way to be valuable to that team still for 20 minutes a game that that has a lot more value than being yeah, someone right. who does you know no, puts up bigger stats on a bad team or right. an okay team so yeah i, I feel i that. tried to I, with look at it when like deciding to between two players like that i was like which one of these seasons is really gonna mean something when we look back on this in five years and not just for like that team that year but also is this player going to continue being a contributor in the future like is this actually going to be something significant or is it just going to kind of be a flash in the pan yeah and this guy was putting up numbers on a bad team um i think his shooting matisse thibault's shooting that was the thing that made him a second team lock for me which i wasn't even positive about because of how low his scoring numbers were and going into it but i mean 35 percent on two and a half a game isn't terrible i mean i think that's encouraging as long as we don't know he we know he's not andre roberson um Mm -hmm. then i think that's pretty encouraging (laughs) so i think which leads you now into your i think you have the final first team pick now yeah um yes you do Yes, yeah, so that's going to make me leave off the other guy you're probably talking about that's pretty similar, pretty comparable to Matisse. 
because um, I think it it's gotta be hmm. I think it's gotta be Kendrick Nunn. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I had Kendrick Nunn on second team. I'm guessing Terrence Davis was the one you left off. Yeah, Terrence Davis yeah, had first okay. team. Yeah, I mean Kendrick playing for you know the four seed in the East on a team where he even though he's the you know nominal point guard he was kind of a Jamal Murray role a little bit. He had a, between Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they don't have to run everything through Kendrick. So I think it played well to his strengths and just let him spot up or create a little bit um, as a secondary ball handler. And, I mean, starting and contributing pretty well for, I mean, a, a very good Heat team. So I'm not sure how much lasting power he's going to have. He's fairly old, um, and he feels like a guy who maybe could surprisingly be out of the league in a few years. He might yeah. have just peaked, peaked right now, but I, I think this was a good enough season to, to warrant a first-team mm-hmm. selection. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But what, I, I, I fully agree. What held me off on him, I, I went back and forth with him, with him and Terrence Davis, but I put him on – I put uh, none on second team because of the fact that – I mean, I guess it shouldn't matter which month you're good, but he seemed to become less and less important to that team as the year went on. And it, it was more – it was hot. his best month was his first one. Um, and that throughout the year, his defense was pretty bad. But once again, if you're a rookie guard, your defense is going to be bad. So I, yeah. I guess you can't hold that against him. But once again, just a thing of I, I valued, I'm putting a lot of value into putting really valuable minutes on title contending teams. But uh, but the Heat are also that. So I guess that yeah. doesn't really matter right now. Just to touch on Kedden a little bit, it's not, I wouldn't say that he lost value to the Heat. I actually think that he still had a genuine role because there are games where he started like in the, the latter half of the season because of injuries. So I wouldn't necessarily say that he lost his... Uh, yeah, I guess he lost his role and lost his value on the team. He just, in terms of his performance, it went yeah, down. Like he yeah, he, he definitely started out... Yeah. yeah, he definitely started out very well and he yeah. was a genuine... He was a really good scorer, but... You know, as much as I like, I like Kendrick Nunn a lot. I mean, he was third among, third amongst rookies in wins above replacement. He still averaged fifteen point six points per game, thirty six percent from three. You know, he had two point two point four win shares. Decent defender. Uh, I mean, like you said, contributor on a winning team, and he started yeah. a lot of games for the Heat. So he's not a great playmaker, but he's just a scorer. So I'm, I, I think he definitely deserved first. I mean, team. he's playing thirty minutes a game, uh, okay. so yeah, he's really important to that team. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he was still very important. And, like, I, I think it, it, but, there's an argument to be made that he maybe hurt himself with that first month a little bit because he couldn't really live up to that after that. So maybe mm-hmm. if he if he had kind of yeah. been more steady the whole time, he, he might have you know might have had a better opinion of him. But sorry, go go with your pick, Frank. Yeah. Okay. So f- my first second team player. So I'll first pick Davis. on the second team. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. For my first pick on second team. I'll go Terrence Davis since uh, he wasn't mentioned on y'all's first team. So he was like. I didn't. I don't have him in my first team, but he is the, like the guy, the the guy who I would, like right below the tier. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. So yeah, Ter- Terrence Davis. He's, um, he's he has a he he just he's first in Raptor, uh, first in wins above replacement, uh, really good per 36 numbers. He didn't play a lot of minutes. Uh, so just in terms of the grand scheme of rookies, he didn't play as many minutes as some of the guys that we've already talked about. Um, but his per 36 numbers are 16.4 points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and he's only like 6'4 or something. Like he's not 7.2 boards is impressive per 36 numbers. Uh, 3.5 assists, 1.1 steals, basically shoots 40% from three, 
and he's a plus on both ends of the court, offensively, defensively. I mean, he's a he's a diamond in the rough that the Raptors got. Like if if you know if he continues to develop and Terrence Davis seems to play with a dog dog in him, and that's a really cool. I love to see him. Like he plays with a lot of effort, and he's a I, if he if he becomes a first team All Rookie this year, I have no problem with it. So yeah. I, I think I think he he's worthy of definitely a second team lock, potentially a first team type player. Okay, for next guy, I'm gonna go with uh, another Heat player and Tyler Hero. I think just. Okay. Uh, his shooting and spacing for that team, but once again, I put value on being a contributor to a uh, to a good team. Um, the fact that I mean, he's just a guy that if he cut, touches the ball, the defense has to think he's shooting it. And the fact that he does, he shoots threes at thirty nine percent percentage. There's a lot of value in that as an NBA player, even if his defense isn't good yet. Um, just having that out there is always going to be valuable in today's NBA. Um, so because sure. of that, I have a second team. Yeah, again, I, I have no issue with that. And he plays with such swag. Yeah. Like he, he plays yeah. with if such that has confidence. Any value like that it's he's so maybe even a first. Team yeah, player. it's. I'm so. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he yeah. play. He plays so much confidence. Uh, he basically described himself as a walking bucket in an interview. <laughs> like he was like, <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> now I mean, he that was an interview he did in college, but still, like he was like, I know I'm a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very well aware of that. Yeah, I have no issue with that. All right, my next guy. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with PJ Washington. No, never mind. Sorry, I'm gonna go with Jackson Hayes. <laughs> oh, uh, I did not have him on here at all. Really? Okay, he wasn't even on my radar. Whoa, now. whoa, Jackson Hayes. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Really? That throws. Yeah, he off. was not on my yeah. radar either. Okay. Interesting. Interesting from y'all. Interesting. All right. And, and I would love yeah. to hear your reasoning, Grant. Um, I. His, his numbers are better than I expected. He, I didn't really see him being a second-team lock, but I think he was the first player I had on my – first or second player I had on my second team. Wow. So you even had him high up. I... Winchester for 48 are the second highest in the class. His PER is about 18, which would be third, fourth, fifth highest in the class. Value of replacement players pretty high. All the advanced numbers love him, and he's, I mean, he's a low-usage guy. Uh, so, of course, they're going to kind of love him, but – in the minutes he got, he played his role well, brought a lot of energy, and he's a really raw prospect. But so I, maybe it's just he, his numbers were better than I expected from such a raw guy, young raw guy. Um, but he was pretty good. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so is it it's yeah, it's me turn. for the third second team pick? So I have to choose this carefully because I don't have another pick on second team, and I really there are two guys that I really want on this team. I'm curious if you would choose the other of the two. <laughs> if I'm really ah, this is hard. This is actually really hard for me. <sighs> okay, you know what? I'm gonna hope that one of you went for the other of the two, and I'm gonna go with Michael Porter Jr. as my third. My Ooh, my. Okay. I thought uh, about him as my tenth player on this. Yeah. So he is. He's my tenth guy on my board. Um. And I, I actually that I flip between Michael Porter Jr. and and Matisse Thybul, and I pick Porter because of the reasons I mentioned before about about Matisse. Um, but I'm Wait, picking Michael Porter Jr. You know Michael Porter Jr. over Matisse. Oh yeah, for the oh, reasons okay, I'm okay. I don't like that at all. But for the ahead. reasons yeah, I, I mentioned, going. that's fine. <laughs> I mean that's fine. Like I I told you my reasonings for not for Matisse and like yeah. I, for keeping him off because of his one sidedness, but. Uh, so I I put Michael Porter Jr. 
and I granted he didn't play obviously he didn't play a lot of games last season um like that's totally fair but when we as we we give a lot of value to players who contribute on on winning teams the Denver Nuggets are a winning team that lacked uh, a genuine perimeter threat, a perimeter scorer to kind of take the load, the offensive load off Nikola Jokic. They lacked that, frankly, the entire year. And while they were still winning games, as we've talked about the, before, they were winning games a lot, mostly predicated on their defense, not necessarily because their offense blew people away. But when Michael Porter Jr. entered the entered became healthy and actually entered the rotation, he was that spark plug for that team that really added another dimension that the Nuggets were really lacking. And even when, even when Michael Porter Jr. got drafted, I, I had a feeling he would be good. He just needed to get healthy. If he were healthy, I knew I had a feeling he would be a really good player. And he was. Uh, you know, he, for, for, he had a stretch of games where he averaged 14.7 points per game. It was like, if I remember correctly, around 15 games or so. Averaged 14.7 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game, 49.4% from the field, 53, 53.2% from three. I mean, those are really good stats. Just, just point blank per game, no per 36 inflation. Really good stats by themselves. And if, if I, as we've talked about giving value to players who make a difference on winning teams, the Nuggets are a winning team. Michael Porter Jr. made a genuine difference. Granted, he, he, he needs to be healthy and do that more consistently. But for a spot on second team all rookie, Ah, for me, I'm willing to give it to him. So, that's, I don't that's my mind pick. really Michael Porter being on this. The only thing that I think to play devil's advocate is I was he really a difference maker on a playoff team? Because I mean, he only he played about half the minutes of other guys did for rookies, and then a lot of the minutes that I watched him when I watched him on TV was his minutes were garbage time minutes for a lot of them. I mean, I'm sure he also later on in the year he then got started getting more like real role player minutes. But of if you're only having 600 something minutes of the season, I think half of those, I I think a genuine half of those were minutes where, you know, they it wouldn't make a difference if he was out there. They could have put anyone out there. I had him, I think, as my like ninth guy. But um, here's the thing: it, the Nuggets front office traded Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, partially because they wanted to give um, Michael Porter Jr. some time. So he was buried on their bench just because they had good older players ahead of him. So, I mean, he was good enough to warrant them, you know, getting rid of those guys and, and not really feeling concerned about it. Um, and, yeah, he played three less minutes than everyone else on here, so that's a little concerning. But when it comes down to the last couple picks of the all-rookie team in a year that wasn't especially encouraging, um, as far as depth, I, I think it's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I was thinking for him. Uh, and, Connor, to the point about the, the minutes he played – uh, I'm looking at his game log on Basketball Reference right now. For the stretch I was talking about where he made like a really genuine impact, he mm-hmm. averaged around 26 minutes a game. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty good. So he got genuine time when he was making those the differences, uh, or was making genuine impacts that I was discussing. But as a whole, he didn't, you know, he didn't average a lot of minutes, but also a lot of that is health. So in terms of if we want to give Michael Porter Jr. a long-term outlook, it's a it's almost a hundred percent determined determined by his health like and that's that's kind of scary to say about a player uh because you know the biggest value a player could have is availability <laughs> no matter how good they are as long as if they're available that's what matters uh so hopefully if he stays healthy he'll be a really good player but and like you said grant for a, a 
near the latter half of a second team all rookie. I think I think Michael Porter Jr. is a good pick. So, all right. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys are gonna like this. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I'm taking R.J. Barrett. No, it's no. not. Uh, he was my 10th <laughs> oh, player originally, but then because of some additions, he's no longer on my RG Barrett. I completely, completely forgot to even consider him. <laughs> uh, but, no, his, his numbers are so un- inefficient. Yeah, I, he's I, not I, on I there. I, I, I put him, on, the, I put him on my original 10 just because of, like, he had a deal with the Knicks for a whole season and he didn't crumble, so, like, good for him on a mental aspect. Uh, yeah. But for my for the tenth pick of the, what we have right now, um, so final second team player, I have Eric Pascal of the Warriors. Okay, good. So I'm glad you. I'm glad we included him yeah. in this. I don't hate just, it because that. Yeah, that was the that was the guy that I was hoping you would choose <laughs> because I chose Michael Porter so just we can get him on this team. But Eric as Eric Pascal, I think deserves a spot. But sorry, go ahead, Connor, as to why you chose. Or Grant, I think you're about to say something. I, just, I I didn't I don't hate it. He was one of the two guys that were kind of hard for me to admit. I mean, I was considering, um, but did not put on. I think I was I think I was mostly comparing him and PJ Washington, and both having um, putting up some pretty good numbers on bad teams. But PJ Washington was just a little more efficient. Yeah, PJ Washington yeah. was a more efficient player. Eric Pascal took the reins more of a player. Right, and I think right. I gave so, yeah. that. So I gave Eric the ban for the doubt for yeah, that one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So the way this is what this was a way less contentious uh, debate we've had than com- comparing to the all NBA teams, except for Jackson except, Hayes. Except apparently. for Jackson Hayes, but uh, y- y'all just y'all just need to actually look at the numbers. Y'all haven't done it yet. No, we did. I okay. have. I have looked we at did. I, no. I definitely look at his numbers. That's no. such a condescending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that really points to how little debate we really have outside Jackson Hayes. Really points to. Uh, how unvaluable rookie NBA players are that we really didn't have to debate that much about stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's one way to look yeah. at all rookie teams, but I'm glad we did it. Anyway, I like all rookie teams. The one guy, okay, another guy that I, I had on my second team uh, was Kobe White. The reason why I chose him purely because of the stretch at the end of the year. Yeah. So the last nine games, he averaged 26 points a game. 4.4 assists, shot 42% from three. I mean, he was just unbelievable for the for the last few games. I understand he was mega inconsistent <laughs> throughout the entire year. I get that. Yeah. I, I understand he's not the most efficient player as a whole, again, throughout the entire year. But I was like, dude was a freaking fireball yeah. for the last nine games. So I was like, you know what, Kobe White, go yeah. get, in my, get in my second team all rookie. But, uh, Him and RJ but were I kind of similar to, this year. And like the types of yeah, rookies they were, I want. I did want to add to your Eric Pascal point that both of you were making, because the point about PJ being like a more more efficient, kind of more dependable player than Eric than Eric Pascal having to take a lot more of the the reins on a bad team because there it just wasn't that good of a team. Uh, there was a, there was a time for uh, in the month of from november to december was rookie of the year i mean he, <laughs> yeah and it, he's he averaged yeah. like 18 points a game 5.8 boards and shot 51 percent from the floor i mean he was incredible and then in the last seven games before the lockdown he averaged 19.7 points a game four rebounds and then 5.4 assists which i would not have expected from eric pascal at yeah. all uh and then he shot 54.9 percent from the floor like he he had he had moments where he looked like a genuine stud 
and then there were times where he was too inconsistent and he wasn't as dependable. But like, yeah. he had an interesting up and down season, but enough to warrant uh, an all rookie team place. So I'm glad you chose him, Carter, because that would have been disappointing. I think in, in my book to not have him. I think I chose PJ Washington over him because, uh, like, like I was saying earlier, like looking back five years from now, which of these seasons is going to be more significant? I really don't know. Once you take the ball out of Eric Pascal's hands, I don't know how high up in an NBA rotation he's going to be. Like he, I get he, what he could be an important piece for the Warriors going forward, or he could be out of the year and out of the league in four years. I'm I'm not really sure. And PJ Washington, I think, will have a role for sure in the NBA, probably as a starter for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's fair. PJ Washington is is a very good player. He's extremely switchable on 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 defense. He can you know take guards to the rim from the perimeter. Like he's he's a versatile player. Yeah. I like him a lot. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Poor Hornets. It must be awful to be a fan of the Hornets. <laughs> they have a fun player in PJ Washington, but I just like I don't. Well, Devonte Graham my, too. Like with uh, Jordan at the helm, I just don't. I don't see them doing anything remotely interesting. Yeah. For so long, <laughs> that poor team. <laughs> well, as we as we talk about some not very interesting teams and rookies, uh, something that we all wanted to discuss was. Zion and Ja, as we started off the whole entire basically all rookie team with, uh, we I wanted to ask the both of you, who would you rather start a team with? Like who right now at this very moment, uh, not that if you choose Zion or if you choose Ja, it doesn't necessarily like, say you choose Zion doesn't mean that you think he's rookie of the year. We can put that aside. Who would you start a franchise with right now? Zion Williamson or Ja Morant? Grant, you can go first. I think it's still Zion. I okay. I mean, his injury stuff is concerning. His, the fact that he he pretty much needs to completely relearn how to walk, in order to avoid injuries, that's concerning. But I mean, players like Steph Curry can show that they completely retrain their body like that, um, so it's doable. And then Jaw, I mean, Jaw scares me with the way he falls and everything. I mean, he scares everyone with the way he falls. So I mean, there's not like there's not any injury concerns going forward. And I think Zion's just a more unique player. Um, he's incredibly impactful already as a 19 year old and you know jaw was a very nice player extremely good rookie and a very nice player zion if he played a full season would have been probably an all-star this year so i, I think it's zion he's just he's so unique he allows you to do so many different things on the basketball court um you can find a point guard to replace 80 percent of jaw probably you can't really find players to replace 80 percent of zion yeah i even though i'm the one person that's of the three of us that are not a true Memphian, uh, that I actually originally was saying Jaws, like if you're a star franchise, I would take Jaw because the, maybe the risk of Zion getting hurt. Um, but then I had someone else talk me out of it. And I'm now of the opinion that you take Zion 10 times out of 10 in that, in this debate, just cause, uh, they both have injury. Like you said, they both have injury risks. Um, and, but then when you look at the top line, you know, Zion has potential to be the top three player in the NBA in a year. I don't think Jaw does. I think Jaw's great. I don't think he's that great. And additionally, just there's such a small precedent for guys of John Morant's size to have that good of a long career in the NBA. So I, I, I got to go Zion. I mean, there's just very few guys of Jaw's build that have lasted for a long time with great value. Yeah, I, I don't want to beat a, you know, beat a dead horse here but i mean i agree with you all i do think it's on williamson who is the guy that 
you'd rather start a franchise with at this very moment than John Morant. Uh, but I guess to play, to just give Jaws side maybe a little bit, the the high IQ that he plays the game of basketball with at such a young stage in his career is so hard to find. I mean, It's just so hard to find. Like we've talked about before, it's so hard to be a productive NBA rookie point guard because it's such a hard position to play just as, as, as a basketball player in the world it's such a hard position to play and the level that John Morant plays at at this young age he has so much room to grow like I think his potential is still like a top five point guard in the NBA potential and that would mean potentially a top 10 player in the NBA like yeah he does have a crap ton of potential and does have less of the injury concerns that that Zion has um if, if Jaw continues to develop his his shot more and more consistently, develops on the defensive side of the ball, you know he can really be somebody very special in the NBA. But as y'all have mentioned with Zion, Zion's a, a once in a lifetime human, not even just a once in a lifetime talent. He's a once in a lifetime human being for what he can do as a human as a human. Like it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So it's hard to pass that up, and it's hard to it's hard to not say that you would. You would pick Ja over Zion because Zion's just a, just a whole different beast than anybody we've ever seen. Yeah. And if Zion develops any offensive game, he's your guy, point blank. And he already has an offensive game, so develops it more. So, yeah, I it, I totally agree. I with think y'all. we should really just take a moment to look back on the foolishness of Mark Jackson in his in Zion's first game, where after the first half. Mark Jackson was talking badly about Zion, like he wasn't that dude, and you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like he wasn't like he should have taken Jaw with oh the first pick and like all that stuff. It's like oh the first God. half of his first NBA game where he hasn't played, he hasn't run up and down a court. And he, but I guess yeah. we're actually all on the same page, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you about Jaw's IQ. I mean, there's you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to, in the pick and roll, the way he weaves, the way he changes pace, the way he keeps people on his back and hits these floaters and makes these tough passes in the air you're not supposed to do this at this young of age while being so explosive and then also his three-point shot shot is better than expected i mean he's just as advertised and better um and he did put on 12 pounds of muscle uh during during quarantine you have to see it but i think yeah yeah, i I think his frame is something that there is room to grow in it i don't think he's going to be this skinny for his whole career or anything um but then though he's 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 got a slight frame in general. I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't have a natural, broad look to him without muscle added on yet. It, I, th- I think it's hard to imagine, but I feel like he could fill out more than we think. I, I think Russell Westbrook filled out a lot more than we probably like. Russell Westbrook wasn't this skinny, but he was not. Did not look anything like he did now. And I think Ja will be able to put on enough to take the the beating that he's going to have to take. But it's still it's Zion. It is Zion. Well, I think Russell is obviously a good comparison to John Morant in terms of you know the type of point guard they are. But I was listening to some you know uh, basketball people talk about Russell Westbrook, and when he was in his early stages of his career, he was super explosive, mega athletic. But I don't remember people talking about the way he maneuvers through a defense and weaves through a weaves through a defense, weaves through a pick and roll, picks out certain pass like. I don't maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember no. that being what people talked about with Russell Westbrook. He's with the jaw, that's already there. And then he has that athleticism. Yeah. So 
All right, well, that seems to be a good place to leave it at. Uh, we had a really good talk about All-NBA teams, talked about the bubble, uh, talked about Patrick Mahomes getting just an absurd contract. Thank you to you, Connor Grant, for, for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you all next time on the podcast to be named later. And I think we'll have a name next time. So hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll have that uh, by then. But everybody stay safe and peace. Cool days, hot tops. When my blue face, ice pops, I'ma make a shoelace, necklace, yeah we whipping pop so Lexus, and I'm skipping school days, mic drops, eyes on summer like cyclops, yeah we falling off the sidewalk, mama wants your heart.